There seems to be an epidemic today of young people who don't know who they are, and they grasp for affirmation and value through their performance or through a social media like. Well, our guest today says that classical Christian schools are in a unique position to light a fire of hope and purpose and meaning in our students as they discover what it really means to be made in the image of God. You don't want to miss this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it Ancient Future Education for Raising the Next Generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Welcome to Basecamp Live here in the studio with Kelly Barber. Good afternoon, Davies. How you doing? What if somebody's listening in the morning? Well, then good morning to okay, you. Okay, good. Just make sure everybody's included in this. That's all good. So, all right, the question for you today, Kelly, is um, I want to know what is one universal question that you think all teenagers, no matter where they're in the world, ask? Maybe ask their parents. Uh, you're probably going to tell me I'm wrong, but yeah. it's, can I have some money, Dad? Uh, well, I hadn't thought of that. That would actually yeah. probably be the universal <laughs> I think question. that's number one. Okay, well, then if they had to have a number two question after more that important. One, more important. More okay. important, probably okay. more. No, really, what, I, what what would it be? Yeah, I think it's it's probably something about their identity. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, we think about if you're raising the next generation, that's part of the reason we're at this base camp kind of regrouping because we've got to get up Mount Everest. Part of the biggest challenge of getting at the top of this mountain is helping these kids ultimately become comfortable in their own skin to see themselves the way God sees them. And really, I, I think the idea of being an image bearer. So our, our guest today, uh, Peter Bauer, is is uh, been 40 years in the world of education. And, and Peter's story, I can't wait for you to hear it, is yeah. this wonderful migration from being in a very, very, very elite 150-year-old prep school that probably from all outward appearances, most people would say, that's the kind of school that my kid in, you know, the direct back door into Harvard yeah, or whatever, yeah. and all the climbing walls and floating rivers and everything that everybody would think they would need. And he went, well, wait a minute, this thing's hollow at the core. I want my kids in a classical Christian school and has now devoted his life to, um, to being a headmaster. And you'll hear the full story. But one of the things that's really near and dear to his heart, and one of the things that I know drew him into this movement is this idea that there is very, um, there are very few things that are as effective as uh, this type of education, helping kids to figure out what it means to really be made in the image of God and understand the true good and the beautiful. Which, yeah, and his his journey is amazing, but his but where he lands is really beautiful. And I th- I think I'm excited yeah. to hear what he has to say about it because that is what's driving. Yeah. If it's a a YouTube star or a musically <laughs> star, these are all the things that our kids are looking for to live up to some other image. Yeah. And I think we often look at our schools again as, oh, it's that place my kids go every day to get the degree thing, then go to college. It's like, well, what beyond that, what mm-hmm. if they actually were being formed that the very core of their identity, their their propensity to become depressed or to be comparing themselves to others is much less. And it still happens in our schools. We're not there all the way. But we've got some raw materials here Peter really brings out. So can't wait for you to hear the center. Yeah, good stuff. Well, welcome to Base Camp Live. Davies Owens here at the SCL convention with Peter Bauer. How are you, Peter? Davies doing very well. Really I'm, well. Thanks. It's good to have you on the show. This is great. We Thank are, you. We, uh, we've, we've been, I feel like we're traveling around the country. So Society of Classical Learning, this is another very important association in the movement. And you've been 
around the education world, what, 40 years? Almost, that, almost 40 years. I mean, it, it, the classical Christian movement is like 40 years old. So I, did you start it? I mean, is it? Can you, <laughs> <laughs> no, no claim to start it, but I'm very grateful somebody did. Yeah. Because I have really uh, appreciated what it has uh, uh, given me to, to work towards. Yeah. Well, I, we want to hear your story because I, I love stories like yours because it reminds parents, reminds teachers that, you know, this is, everybody feels like they're late to the game. Well, we're all kind of stepping into this. Nobody that I've interviewed other than a younger person's actually had this education. So, yeah. so tell me your story. So Peter Bauer, the day began, you had kids, you were being a dad. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, it really begins, uh, in, in my own education, I had the privilege of, uh, attending the top rated school in the state of Pennsylvania, an independent school in Philly. Okay. Um, and, uh, myself and five siblings attended the school and, you know, uh, as I say to people, I didn't distinguish myself there. Uh, I graduated in the half of the class, half of the class that made the top half possible. <laughs> um, anyway, graduated from there, um, was an athlete, went to um, small liberal arts school in Ohio, uh, was uh, a four-year letter winner in soccer, and and that's part of the story. So I'll circle back around to that. But then ended up ended up working in that college in their admissions office. And as a result of that, I attended, I, I visited over 110 schools a year. I was at uh, schools where kids arrived by limousines and helicopters. I was at schools in the middle of nowhere. That would be an amazing experience. It, it was pretty amazing. Did the helicopter parents know they were helicopter <laughs> that's, that's right. parents? That's, they were real helicopter uh, This is where parents. it came from. Now we know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it could be. <laughs> that's great. Um, uh, you know, and, and then in the admissions office, I'm seeing transcripts where there are 12 advanced placement tests on them. Mm. I'm, I'm interviewing these kids from these incredible schools um, and then ended up returning to Philly. And when we went back to Philly, we went back with a two-year-old son and I ended up at my alma mater. So I am back at the top rated school in the state of Pennsylvania and my son is able to get this education for free starting in the second grade. And I mean, when you say top rated, because I know a lot of parents are shopping, and what are they, obviously academic, college admission. Great, great question. 150-year-old school. Okay. A third of the graduates would typically go to Ivy League caliber schools. Um, every bell and whistle in the kitchen sink. Uh, it really had everything uh, you could possibly want in a school. Reputation, success, opportunities options, athletics, you just go all wow. the way down the list. Uh, this was one of um, really the most comprehensive educations that you could offer uh, your child. Yeah. So as parents, we're thinking we have it made. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of uh, a, a ticket to Harvard or yeah. whatever it was going to be. Yeah. yeah, or anywhere. Yeah. And so um, between the second and third grade year, uh, my wife, uh, Lois, um, encouraged us to go hear Doug Wilson speak. And probably not unlike a number of folks, it, it totally changed my paradigm of education. So we looked into whether or not there was a classical school in Philly. So let me just kind of set the time. So Doug, sure. Doug I think it was around 82, 83, mm-hmm. was caught the vision himself to start Logos. Um, just podcasted Doug and who's just telling this story. So what, um, where were you? So he'd been at it for a, a while. I mean, this was. This is 90, early 90s. Okay. Okay. So like 10 yep. years later. Yep. Okay. Um, so after hearing this and, and going back to Philly, uh, we looked for a classical school and we found one. And uh, we determined that we would move our son from the top rated school in Pennsylvania, 150 year old, all the bells and whistles, 
to a classical Christian school that met in the basement of a church, <laughs> had 17 kids wow. from kindergarten to 12th grade. Um, my parents wondered what we were doing. My five siblings wondered what we were doing. I can only imagine. You probably wondered what you were doing at times. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yet it quickly became apparent that what my son was going to experience in the context of a Christian classical education was going to be something really so w- special. Was there kind of one definitive thing you heard Doug say, or you thought, okay, that's it. That's that's what I'm going to bank everything on. What, what stood out? Um, I, you know, I don't remember a specific thing. Okay. I think it was the, the, the um, kind of whole ball of wax, and that is that uh, this idea that, that there is something better that's that's rooted in a proven purposeful powerful education uh that has a a, um, history of success for over two thousand years yeah and i was in a school that that's better than the prep schools uh brochure very (laughs) much right yeah this was in papyrus two (laughs) thousand years yeah people park your helicopters look what we got yeah Yeah. but i was i was in an environment where you could literally put it in your uh, on your calendar that every 10 years Mm. Um, this uh, independent school education was going to come up with the next revolution in education. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and here there was a successful education for 2,000 years that produced kids who could think, who yeah. could ask good questions, uh, and who were pursuing what was good, true, beautiful, and virtuous. And that was not part of the education right. at you this getting... other school. <clears throat> so your kids came in again at what year? My son uh, uh, went into classical ed in third grade. In third grade, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, you know, again, all the questions about, well, it's a small school. What about social stuff? And I, I, so I would go to pick him up one day, and here's my second grader playing with all the big kids. Yeah. I go to pick <laughs> him up the next day, and he's the big kid playing with the little kids. Right. You go to pick him up the next day, and they're they're all playing together. And you're thinking, this is really this good. This is beautiful, too. Yeah. This is really good. Mm. You know, the idea that my son is interacting with all these different ages is a powerful component that's lost in most schools. Absolutely. So then, so in your own... So from there, what point did you end up <laughs> yeah, good becoming, becoming a, a head of school and, and running this thing? Yeah. So, so uh, in uh, Andrew's, uh, end of Andrew's fifth grade year, uh, we looked into moving back to uh, the Memphis area. My wife had family there. And again, just thinking about how powerful this education had come, be, become in our lives and the life of our son, we would not have moved had we not found a classical school. We did find one, Westminster Academy in Memphis. I moved there without employment, uh, was able to connect with the school, was able to offer my services on a part-time basis, <laughs> and was hired the next year. So this is in, I believe, 2000. Okay. Um, and was the director of institutional advancement, worked in every aspect of the school. Uh, after 10 years, became the head of school for two years. Uh, my son attended the school, graduated in 2009, went on to Grove City College to become a man- mechanical engineer. Every single aspect of his education convinced me that he had gotten a far better education than he Mm. would have at the top rated school in Pennsylvania. And further, as important, he was an entirely different man. Wow. Um, The the way that he was spoken into at the school, the aspirations we had for him at that school, uh, the things that were required of him at that school, um, uh, I am forever grateful. Well, and your perspective again, isn't, isn't just a, a, you know, a zealous father, you're that, but you're, you literally have spent 40 years and I love just the way you described him. You have, I think probably held on, seems like every position 
in the life of a school. You've worked in a very this very elite school. Mm-hmm. You've worked in starter. You've seen you've just seen the gamut of education, and that's something that I think, especially for us as parents, I mean, we tend to only filter through the very narrow band of our own experience and to be able to step back a little bit. Because sometimes I know parents are very anxious or concerned, as you described, like, what have you done? Your kid's not at this. (laughs) You're you're doing some cult thing. Like, is this even a smart idea? And you start questioning yourself. Uh, Very much so. But, uh, you know, having been through it and having seen the results, uh, I am passionate about Mm. classical Christian education. And Part of what makes me passionate is I realize that in all of time and eternity, by God's grace and mercy, he allowed my son to have a far better education than I did. And yeah. whatever blindfolds were on my eyes, they were removed and allowed me uh, to, to follow through and, and give him a classical Christian education. So I want to unpack, and just a minute, we're going to take a break, but I really want to drill into this idea that I think everybody can, at one level here is he got a better education, and they filter that through he had better academic readiness or he had better character or, but the, the secret sauce, if you will, of classical Christian education is it's really getting down into, what does it mean to form a human soul? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the deepest level of who we are as humans, and this is not the way most of us have ever been taught to even filter an educational choice for our child. Yeah. So the idea of being an image bearer of Christ, I want to, I want to hear both as a dad and as a head yeah. of school, what is the, what's this return on this investment? Yeah. <laughs> You've seen it. So good. All right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, first thing I would say is he went from an environment where it was, you know, the goal of education is so you can get a good college, so you can get a good job, yeah, so you can retire. And have a nice retirement home. And have a nice retirement home. And have a very nice marker in your gravesite. A very nice it's, marker in it your gravesite. It all works right. to one end, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and what do they say? You've never yeah. seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Right, right. Um, and instead, he ends up in an education where the first question is, how do we move this young man's heart to what is good, true, beautiful, and virtuous? And how do we equip him to be able to engage culture in a meaningful way to be a redemptive agent in culture? And we're going to give him an education like mm. none other. Mm. And that rather than give him information that he can regurgitate and then give him more information that he can regurgitate, open his head and put in for information, we are going to engage him in such a way that there is a profound respect for his capabilities. Mm. And that's the Socratic method. We're going to ask him questions that help lead him to find the right answers, to find out what is truth, good, good, beautiful, and virtuous, and equip him through rhetoric to be able to engage culture in a winsome, magnanimous, meaningful, but but really potent way. And I love the fact that... That that education did not just net out your range of vocational options are now um, within the sphere of librarian or Shakespeare instructor or Latin. He's in he's in the technology world. That, yeah, I mean, yeah. I just think that's so cool that you know there is a bit of a rap that you know uh, classical ed plays to the humanities. Yeah, and I can say that it was uh, a he had a very strong science background and the the strength in the humanities has helped him become a far better engineer. Right. Yeah. One example, he is able to think across disciplines. Second example, he's an engineer that can communicate. Okay, that's not a bust on all engineers, but they're, you know, they have a rap. Sure. Uh, and so you can see how quickly uh, all the ways he could distinguish himself from his peers yeah. because of his education. Yeah. And then the bonus is uh, his soul was engaged in such a way that the work he is doing is to God's glory and yeah. honor and God's fame. Love it. And that gives him a purpose far greater then I'm going to graduate from a uh, good college to get a good job to get right. uh, a good retirement and have a nice, great marker. Right. <laughs> 
you're a proud dad and I can see why. Well, Peter Bowers, thanks, thanks for um, giving us uh, a vision of kind of your own journey through this. And I want to come back and, and explore more just with your head of school hat on sure. what you're seeing in terms of transformation in the lives of, of kids. So Peter Look Bowers, th- thank you for, uh, for all your, your story. We'll be right back here with Basecamp Live. This is the Chocolate Knox. If you love that wonderful sensation of chewing glass, this is the show for you. Cross Politic is a weekly show and podcast that mixes the taboo formula of faith, culture, and politics, proclaiming the Lordship of Christ in every corner of our culture. Hallelujah. Gabriel Wrench is a deacon from Texas, and he wears overalls. One time. <laughs> Chocolate Knox, a.k.a. David Shannon, he's a movie maker from Minnesota. I'm Toby Sumter, pastor here in Moscow, Idaho, and I used to live in Alaska. Did you know that? No. No. We've interviewed everyone from Alveda King to Ted Cruz to Steve Dace to Walter Williams, and we invite you to join us here at Cross Politic as we learn to fight, laugh, and feast all to the glory of God. CrossPolitik.com. Welcome back to Basecamp Live here with Peter Bauer. We are talking about his own journey into classical Christian education and really want to unpack a little bit further. I mean, all, lots of, if you will, check the boxes. My son got this amazing education. But even now as I had a school, you've been in head of school role for how long? Uh, this is actually my, I'll be beginning my seventh year in head of school. Okay. Yeah. So when you look at, again, the fruit of this effort that we're making, um, better education academically we were just saying it during the break i mean corporate america is just fumbling around trying to find employees that actually are can write and mm-hmm. show up on time and are just you know whole conversation just basic <laughs> basic life skills really yeah. but as as christ followers we're talking about ultimately our hope as parents is that they really love christ and they have a deep and abiding um sense in which everything in life is to come through this identity of who they are in Christ. So kind of being an image bearer. Mm-hmm. T- talk about what you see as, as that fruit. Yeah. From, from my own, again, my own story is um, uh, I didn't have a sense that uh, my image bearing played a role in who I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for example, um, I had a sense that, that I wanted to teach uh, I had a sense that I wanted to be an influencer. I had a sense that I wanted to lead. Uh, but to relate a story, uh, when my parents went to see my second grade teacher, she said, uh, you know, um, Phil and Barb, you have a, a, a wonderful son. If only he'd let me run the class. <laughs> so, you know, here you have, even as a second grader, an affinity to want to lead. No one ever picked up on that. And I have fought for years on whether or not I can lead. And if you look at my history, a lot of it is I'm the assistant or the associate. Mm. And I ended up in a, in a leadership role as head of school because the other head of school had left and there was a vacuum and I was simply asked to take the role. And and what I've found is I absolutely love this. I was made for this. Finally figured it out. After, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, part of this idea of image bearing for me is that within every single child, there is a stamp of God's image or stamps that you get glimpses of in your in your kids, even as they're young. So, you know, maybe it's the kid that takes everything apart. 
Mm -hmm. you're thinking, look, let's just go to Goodwill and buy something you can take apart, mm -hmm. all right? Because we're suffering as a household for all the things <laughs> that, that end up in pieces. Yeah. There, there is something there that's unique to that child or uh, the child that is the one that is, is always making sure everyone's okay. Mm. You know, so while everybody else, when everybody else is kicking the, the, the ball in the playground, you know, here's Lucy or Tim over there making sure everybody's feeling okay. Mm. Well, well, that's an aspect of God's glory. Here is that person when they grow up could be the pastor or the caregiver, uh, you know, the contemplative one. Or the, the funny one that always kind of interrupts things. You know, that may be the child one day that, that knows just the right way to, to help us see things in proper perspective. So conceptually, for me, this idea of image bearing, as educators, we have this unbelievable opportunity to see these glimpses of God's image in our students, to speak into that, and to call it out. You know, as you're saying that, Peter, I'm thinking about, the, I, I think one of the kind of stereotypical concerns parents have about classical Christian education is it appears to be rather single-tracked, wooden, everybody gets kind of this dose of the same thing, and then presumably everybody kind of comes out the same way. And so you've got this back pressure in our culture of we need kids to be in more Montessori experiences where they can chase butterflies and discover their destiny and do all these things. Mm -hmm. And I think that and we know that that's an extreme we don't want, but I think there is a little bit of a sense of is this just a we're like, uh, you know, again, we were saying earlier, all these kids are going to just come out being humanities teachers. Are, is there really a way for the kid that wants to take something apart to fit into this education and to find the image God's put in them? Yeah. And, and I think, again, for many reasons, uh, this education can play to that in an extremely powerful way and does. And again, number one, we see these kids as image bearers. They are heart, mind, soul, and body. Whereas most education, it's their minds. Mm -hmm. So if we begin there and we believe that God has put his imprint on each one of our children in a unique way, uh, then that's going to lead to a specific end where we are saying to our graduates, no, God does have a specific purpose for the skills, uh, the desires he's given you. And they are for those things that are good, true, beautiful, and virtuous. And over time, being able to speak into their lives while they're at school and give them a level of confidence that God desires to use them in mighty ways based on the unique way he's created them. Mm. Um, and there are a lot of things that, that help with this, the small classes, mm -hmm. um, the, the close relationships with faculty. Uh, these things are all powerful ways of, I think, uh, creating students that are unique in their understanding of who they are, what role they're going to play in this, uh, in this universe uh, to move things uh, toward cultural redemption. So uh, I'm curious, just other students' stories of, of students that come to mind. Um, I, I'm, I, and I want to, if, if, yeah, I want to hear, hear, hear some illustrations sure. of this. So here's a good one. Okay. Uh, after giving a talk about this, our fifth grade teacher uh, went back into her classroom, and there was a, a boy in her class that would often literally kind of interrupt class to say he wanted to share something with the students from the Bible. Mm -hmm. Now, that sounds great, and it is great, but that needs to be monitored like anything. So after hearing this talk, she went back in her classroom and the young man wanted to share something. And she just thought, you know what? There's something about this that makes it feel like it's the right time. So he, she allowed him to do that. And afterwards, uh, he said, thank you so much. And uh, she said, well, you, we, well you're welcome. Is, is, you know, it's my impression, uh, Tim, that, that someday you may be a great pastor. Mm. And he said, um, do you know what? My dream is to become like Billy Graham. Wow. Wow. And here you have this affirmation that 
allowed this teacher to speak into his life and to be able to then, after she heard that, say, you know what? One day I believe you may be. Isn't that amazing? Just the the power of affirmation. Yeah, our words. I know. I think I had a third grade teacher at one point told me I was good at reading maps, and I thought that was great, but now nobody uses maps. I'm sort of <laughs> trying to find my purpose again. No, I'm, Does it cross over to GPS? Yeah, like, <laughs> are you good at reading GPS? I don't think you have to use that skill anymore. Yeah. But, my, but you're right. I mean, I'm just saying that. Just, I remember that, that, just that word of you're actually, you have, there's something in you that's unique and a gift that's there. So Yeah. So another quick story yeah. is, uh, you know, my son loved to go to farm equipment stores, and he would pick out all the spec sheets on the equipment. So this is from very young That's age. That's unique. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So at nighttime, we're reading Goodnight Moon and specs on the manure spreader that the <laughs> tractor pulled behind. And he just ate it up. Wow. Just ate it up. And guess what? Yeah. He's an engineer. Yeah. God's glory was being revealed in him even at a young age. And so often as parents, we miss it because we're frustrated. It's in the moment. And again, I think as educators, we see things that not even parents see sometimes. So, so Peter, help me connect the dots between, I could imagine again, this is almost, we could be making the pitch here on, again, I joked about Montessori schools, but I mean, just sort of, of course we want our kids to be who God's made them to be, but what distinct, what's distinctive about classical Christian that actually illuminates that better than maybe a more progressive environment? Well, again, I would go back to number one, they're seen as image bearers. And if that's true, then God... So we're looking for it, and instinctively looking for this. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, although I would say we don't instinctively look for it. We well, need we to be encouraged be. Right. to but look I mean, for it. Right, but it should be part of our vision of God made each person for a purpose. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And, and then, uh, you know, we would clearly believe that it, it's not uh, the same purpose for everyone, that mm-hmm. God's created in his body all these different gifts and talents and abilities. Uh, so again, I think classical ed uh, begins at the right beginning mm-hmm. as image bearers. And then from that, we can easily, I think, see that that means that we can be looking for and encouraging and drawing out of students that unique image bearing. Mm-hmm. God's glory in that child. And do you think it's, is there a, even in the, the fact that we're going through the great books, I'm just thinking about here, kids are, are getting these rich, vibrant stories of a diversity of people, talk about diversity, you know, who've lived life in all these different ways that I would think maybe a kid can go, I, boy, that, that's, I want to be that guy. That is brilliant. You're right. In any story, there mm-hmm. are so many different roles mm-hmm. that are played. And, and in any great story, uh, we can see or should be able to see that some of our students can fill those roles. So there's the encourager, yeah. right? There's the hero. Um, uh, there are just all these different unique ways that uh, um, <laughs> things come together. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to say to our students, no, you, you know, you may not be uh, uh, Frodo, you may be Sam. Right. But you play a really you big a role, role in the big story. And they're all part of the story. They're right? all part of the right. story. And I think how hard, again, back to the crisis, the cultural crisis where our kids don't know who they are, they don't know what their purpose is, they're depressed, there's anxiety, just to simply see all of the ways God has engineered us. We don't all have to be the same, I mean, which is what kind of progressive education is very much a factory model of, and it's all measured against the same standard of your performance. So this is a very freeing education. And I would think, uh, not I think, I would believe that, and have seen that classical ed um, is particularly helpful in uh, creating that sense for students that they do have a purpose Mm -hmm. and that they do have distinct abilities and classical ed works to take those and giving skills helps them uh, to be in a position to use them in a very powerful way. Yeah. So uh, things like the ability to think logically, these are add-ons to that sense of what are those specific aspects of God's glory. 
the ability to communicate well, the rhetoric, right? Um, being thoughtful believers. I think all of these things um, t- take those um, um, aspects of who our children are and kind of lights it on fire. Yeah, that's really good, Peter. Um, maybe just kind of final question. If you, uh, given your your role as head, how, I'm sure often you, you kind of get stuck with the, the elevator question of, okay, what is this school you're running? What is, and so we've talked a lot about image bearing, but just what's your, what's your elevator pitch on what this thing is? Yeah, so here's the way I would respond. Listen, I would respond, it's our desire to graduate students who love Jesus, who love what God loves, and who are able to be redemptive agents in culture. And I say, you know, we cannot educate kids into loving Jesus, but I hope we can make that really attractive. That's all said. Right? Yeah. Uh, But depending on, you know, we have a choice in what to bring before the kids in terms of training their affections. But imagine what it would be for kids to love what God loves. And then I think one of the absolute critical components of our education is teaching our students to be thoughtful mm-hmm. uh, and uh, at its base to know that there is good truth, there's goodness, truth, and beauty yeah. and virtue in the world and equipping them then to engage culture to move it towards those things that are good, true, beautiful, and virtuous. Yeah. Well, I think in the way you frame that, to love what God loves is so compelling. I mean, that's, it's, again, it's not just a wooden to know what God wants us to know. I mean, there's that, but it's, right. what does God love? What do we love? We're beings that are driven by affections. So. Right. And when we look at our culture today, it would not appear that there's a whole lot of loving what God loves going on. No. And <laughs> it's no. just, it's, you know, it's my prayer and my passion uh, that we can, yeah. we can change things. Well, thanks for what you're doing. I love your story. God clearly had you uh, in this place long before you realized it and love how you kind of reached a point of now being in a very influential role and leading many students and families. So Peter, thanks for your encouragement and and the work you're doing. We definitely love to continue conversations with you. Thanks for all you're doing. Thank you for all you're doing and thanks for basically. All right. Thanks, Peter. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Base Camp Live. You know, raising the next generation of young people isn't easy. But we'd like to offer you some opportunities to join your fellow travelers in this journey of ancient future education. Hey, Kelly, you know what's really exciting? We just added to the website, BaseCampLive.com, a whole section that's uh, designed around getting the word out. It's called Start Here. If you're new, it tells you how to get fully subscribed to it. If you're a school leader, um, you can you can link on to your school website and kind of get updates every time we do a new show is released. It appears on the school website. That's kind of That's kind of exciting. And yeah. one of the things that I'm really excited about is this new climbers idea that we're putting together. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just simply, we want to hear stories. I mean, the, what, what I'm humbled by are the number of people literally around the globe who are saying there's a better way to raise the next generation, and they're jumping in whatever their context is. And we want to know what you're doing and kind of how you discovered this. And we're just going to create some kind of smaller little vignettes of stories of people. And uh, so, yeah, info at BaseCampLive.com. Let us know what your story is. Yeah, we don't have to do this alone. Info at BaseCampLive.com. That sounds great. All right. Thanks for joining us and see you at the next episode.